0: Hey everyone, welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Quick question for you. Have you ever been to a pawn shop? I really haven't. I mean, I I have, but only when I was on an assignment to interview our guest today, who is Les Gold. He is the owner of American Jewelry and Loan, famous scene of the hit TV reality show Hardcore Pawn, which is now... In its ninth season, he is the Mac Daddy of Pawnbrokers. His show premiered in 2010 and it delivered to an unprecedented 2 million viewers and set a record as True TV's most watched series premiere ever. That's huge. His success has catapulted Les into speaking engagements, sales training seminars, and even a recent TED Talk. So I'm pretty honored that he's on So Money with us today. Les is a character. He's known for his practical negotiating tips, which are often the topic of his media appearances, which include Yahoo Finance, where I interviewed him about a year ago, as well as Good Morning America, CNN, and Forbes. I've also seen him on the Today Show a number of times. Three cool takeaways from this interview with Les. One, his financial philosophy that there's a customer for everything, anything, in fact. Um, how can that be? Les talks about the most important thing when you're trying to negotiate, and you'll want to hear this from the Mac Daddy of pawnbrokers, and why making mistakes doesn't actually make you a failure. He doesn't like the word failure. Hold on to your hats, everyone. Here is Les Gold. Les Gold, welcome to So Money, my friend. How are you?
1: Real good. Thank you for having me on again.
0: My absolute pleasure. Congratulations on Season 9, is it now, of Hardcore Pawn?
1: It's it's really been unbelievable that we've uh, been so successful as a reality show. Mm-hmm. Hardcore Pawn, Season 9. I can't wait for them to pick us up and have Season 10.
0: What do you think it is? What is your magic? What is your secret sauce? Because there are so many shows that get canceled before they even get to, like, the fifth episode.
1: <laughs> well, you know, for us, it's the dynamics of the Gold family. You know, you have me as the father, Ashley and Seth, trying to learn the business. You have the dynamics of my 50 employees and the 1,000 people that walk through the door each and every day. So each one of those 1,000 people, plus my employees, plus my family, the stories are sometimes unbelievable.
0: I interviewed you about a year ago. I flew to Detroit, came to your store, which, by the way, folks, you have to visit, okay? I know Detroit right now um, is going through some reparations, but if you do make it there, it's an amazing, amazing city, and your store is a must-stop. And when I was there, we talked a lot about how, you know, obviously, your store attracts a lot of uh, people because of the show, but In your business, uh, you get to see it all. You really get to see where the economy is going. Where are we right now?
1: We're street-level economists, and what we see right now is the loan line is getting shorter. The retail area is is fairly strong. So what does that tell me? That tells me that people need a lot less money to borrow. That's why they're not coming to the pawn shop Mm. for that. But where they are coming to the pawn shop for is to get great deals because, as as Seth says, retail is for suckers, and there's no better deals than at your local pawn shop.
0: Exactly. And by the way, you can get anything at this pawn shop. It's not just baseball cards and watches. I mean, you have – you showed me around. there. I mean, it's, it's as big as a Costco, folks. There are things there that you don't even see on the floor. There, You have uh, – plasma TVs, you have diamond rings, you have furs, you have collectible items dating back to the 20th century. I mean, it really, and you told me yourself, you kind of don't refuse anything because you kind of think that you can sell pretty much anything.
1: Well, what what I've always said was if somebody bought it once, somebody's willing to buy it again. So whatever walks through the front door, I'm a customer for because I know eventually there's a customer that's going to walk through the front door here and buy it from us.
0: Well, Les, I wanted you on my podcast because you are so money in so (laughs) many ways. Let's start with financial philosophy. What is a money mantra that Les Gold follows to help you make the best decisions when it comes to business and money?
1: You know, one of the things that I've always believed in is, like I said earlier, there's a customer for anything. You have to believe in yourself that's what's most important if you believe in yourself and if you're a salesperson other people will definitely believe in you
0: Mm -hmm. because when it comes to the sale it's really about you the salesperson relaying this sort of sense of pride and know-how and 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 striking a chord with the potential customer
1: if you can't strike a chord then you're not a salesperson the most important thing with negotiating is get that relationship going. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you explain the merchandise. That's what's important. You know, especially in in jewelry. Diamonds are really a blind item. Most people don't know about those little pebbles that we're trying to sell for tens of thousands of dollars. And as a salesperson, you have to bring out that knowledge to make sure they understand exactly what they're buying
0: right and to have a story behind that that diamond that makes them just feel like they have to have it
1: that's that emotional bond you have to create Mm -hmm. between you and the potential customer
0: well speaking of story take us down memory lane a bit less I like to ask my guests about a money memory perhaps it was during childhood maybe it was more recent but it was a significant time in your life that taught you an important lesson about money what was it take us there
1: You know, when I was seven years old back in 1957 and I worked at my grandfather's store, I made my first sale and it was a hydraulic jack. And when I made that sale, I realized how important money was. Even at seven years old, besides that it hooked me into the pawn business and it hooked me into negotiating, making that sale and accepting that $10 bill for that item was probably the most important thing that has ever changed my life.
0: What was the biggest lesson there? I mean, $10 is a lot of money back then for a little kid, but what was the real I
1: takeaway? I dollars deal. Whether it was $10, whether it was a dollar, I remember that I used to get a $0.25 cent allowance. Knowing the value of that was so important to me, getting that quarter uh, from my parents and understanding that, wow, look at what I did and closed the deal for $10. Hmm.
0: And then your life changed forever
1: it changed forever. I wouldn't I didn't know it back at the time, but as I look back, that was a life-changing event for me.
0: Let's talk about failure. I know this is a challenging question for guests. Not everyone wants to admit failure, but I think f- through failure comes success if you're conscious of it and you work hard at, at you know g- making a difference from that failure. What is a financial failure last that you experienced that You know, you learned a lot, and you grew a lot from that experience.
1: If you read my book, we do talk about failure. And when you fail, that means it's the end. So I've never failed. I have made mistakes. We all make mistakes, and we learn from mistakes. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I make some investments. Every investment isn't going to be a home run. Every investment isn't going to be a success. But what that teaches me is don't do that particular investment again. That's called a mistake. There aren't any failures in business.
0: Yeah, well, what's a big mistake that you made, perhaps?
1: That's story. <laughs> you know, I made a mistake and I made an investment with a certain few gentlemen that told me that it was going to be a great deal. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you a funny story. Um, the deal went south. And my partner in the deal, it was... The first day of April, which is April Fool's Day, and I called him up on the phone and I says, his name was Stan. I said, Stan, we made a terrible mistake. This deal that we invested in, which was a sure thing, well, this deal that we invested in is is now going to fail. He said to me, Les, are you kidding? I go, Yeah, it's April Fool's. Well, three days later, when we were supposed to get paid, it failed. So from now on, on April Fool's. I only tell stories that I want to happen. But that was, the biggest, that was the biggest mistake I ever made, was believing in something that actually was, the guy was pulling the wool over my eyes.
0: And that's surprising, Les, because I feel like you're, you're a professional salesperson. You, know, you should be able to see the red flags. You should be able to tell when things are a little too good to be true. What did you miss?
1: I'll tell you what I missed. I believe in a friendship. I believe that the gentleman that was selling me this deal, I was friends with him for 20 years and I believed in him and he made one comment that really put me over the edge. And what he said to me was, Les, I promise you on my children's lives that this is a better deal than your pawn shop. One of the things that's most important to me is family. You don't ever swear on family when you're not telling the truth and I really believed in him. and now. I'm a, I'm a pessimist, not an optimist. Mm. Don't swear. If this, if this guy came back to me and swore on his life, his kids, I still wouldn't believe him. So due diligence. Don't take somebody just by their word.
0: Wow. And I guess that friendship's over. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> well, I'm sure he's sorry for what he put you through because uh, clearly I think you're you're winning right now. Let's move uh, a different direction, the opposite direction. Let's talk about success. I mean, clearly you've had so much success with your business over the many decades and more recently with the show has really catapulted your store and your business to new sites and new heights. What would be one success that maybe we don't know about, that we don't know Uh, so much about but you're really proud of it you worked hard to achieve it and it's a story that's really exciting for you to share.
1: Um, When I had my first store it was in a 1500 square foot facility and I really was down and out on my luck and I went to work every day and I worked six days a week and it was only me on the showroom floor and two girls in the back writing five loans a day and gold at that time was $300 an ounce and a gentleman called me up to ask me a question, and the question was, do you take in gold coins? And I said yes, and I didn't have $200 at the time when he called. And he came in the store with his future wife, his fiance, and I ended up trading him a gold coin for a ring, to which he pulled two gold coins out of his pocket. Um, During that time, I had made a few sales, we did a few redeems, and I ended up buying all three gold coins. You talk about a life-changing event. I went out within two weeks, sold those two coins because, as a matter of fact, gold went up to around $370. So I took that deal and made some extra profit. That was a life-changing event. And most people never heard that story. I never wrote about it in my book. And that's something that I can really hang my hat on, that it was a life-changer.
0: And it sounds like it happened so quickly.
1: It It was one of those things that, you know i believe in god and i believe that that you know you make your own luck but there's always somebody watching over you and that particular day somebody was watching over me i closed that deal and it was one of the most successful days that that will live in my in my heart and my brain forever
0: so i don't ask this of all my guests but i probably should start doing this cuz i think people would be interested to know when you hit that when you struck that success that successful moment what was the first thing that you did to indulge yourself like what did you splurge on what did you buy
1: see one of those things that that people don't know about me I'm a cheapskate <laughs> and for me personally I don't buy me a lot of stuff you know right now I I smoke cigars every once in a while so if it were going to be today I would buy myself a cigar or I would buy myself a new spinning bike I'm big into physical fitness so I really don't splurge on myself on my wife on my children That's one thing, but on myself, I'm very content.
0: Mm. All right, all right. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it's no coincidence that you're a successful businessman. You are very, very prudent about how you spend.
1: Uh, That's true. I mean, it was very difficult for me to have Seth buy me a new iPhone, but the day they came out, he bought me one. Uh, (laughs) Not that I agreed to it, but he thought I should have something, you know, really new in technology.
0: Well, I would be curious now to find out, Les, what are your financial habits? There are a lot of habits that we, all, uh, that we all have, good and bad, in a variety of aspects of our lives. When it comes to a financial habit, Les, what's one that you practice, whether it's daily, weekly, or less frequent? But it's a habit that's important to you.
1: One of the things that I've always been a gambler with is I always gambled on less gold. You know, I know that the stock market... Uh, is pretty important. I never believed in the stock market. Um, I, I, I used to deal commodities my father in law should rest in peace, used to be a cattle uh, slaughter in a slaughterhouse business, and I used to take his advice and I lost more money uh, buying cattle than I did anything else. But what I do every day right now for my um, financial security and my financial wisdom every day is I use the internet. And I'm a gold trader, and I'm a diamond trader, and I utilize that service every morning. So I get up at 6 a.m. prior to me working out seven days a week, and I go to the Internet checking on gold prices to see the barometer of that. And I use that each and every day when I come to work. All my employees are are utilizing that service because we deal in, in diamonds. We deal in gold. We deal in silver and platinum. So we need to be really sharp on the market so that we don't make a mistake.
0: What is one thing that you think is the most valuable item? If if someone were to walk into your store right now with something in their hands and that you would consider to be probably the most valuable thing that you would buy it without even hesitation and that you could sell it and make huge bucks.
1: As a matter of fact, I'll tell you another good story. Um, Somebody came in with a two-carat diamond. Uh, It was chipped. And we ended up, I ended up taking it to Los Angeles, having it recut. It came back as a D flawless diamond. So we took an $8,000 investment, uh, paying it, at, it was a fair price at the time because the, the diamond was broken. I took it to my diamond cutter. We ended up recutting it. We sent it to GIA, which is Gemological Institute of America, which is the, the famous uh, diamond grader. It came back as a D flawless. It ended up to be valued at over $60,000, and if you see me right now, it's currently in my ear.
0: Oh, my gosh. How many years ago was that, or was that like a few months ago?
1: it three years ago, we, we, we took our time in recutting it, certifying it, and because it's so valuable and it's one of those things that you're not going to sell to somebody just walking through the door for a 2 care. I'm ending up sporting it now, so maybe one day mm-hmm. somebody will come in and, and buy it right out of my ear. One of the things that we sell mostly are diamonds out of my ear. So <laughs> if it's good enough for Les to wear, it's good enough for my fiance saying that some guy's going to buy it for his fiance to have it on their finger. So it's, 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 it was a great deal.
0: Betting again on less gold, gambling on less gold, it seems to work in your favor more often than not. It does. Well, this is almost uh, the wrap for the interview. We're, we're approaching the, the portion of the interview where I ask guests to finish a sentence, and the first thing that comes to your mind just just blurt it out. So,
1: oh, that could be that could <laughs> be.
0: <laughs> well, I'm hoping that there might be some uh, some you know uh, spontaneous crazy answers. It's kind of what I'm going for here, just kind of. Bobby, get
1: don't worry, I was only kidding.
0: <laughs> well, you know, anything goes on so money. All right, Les, if I won the lottery tomorrow, 100 million dollars, first thing I would do is
1: work out what I always do each and every morning.
0: What would you do with the money?
1: I would put it in the bank, I put it in some investments. I wouldn't spend it because I'm, I'm pretty content today, so the hundred million dollars isn't going to change my life, period.
0: Would you leave it to your kids then?
1: Well, for sure, I'd leave it to my children and grandchildren, no doubt about it. That would be the first thing I would do, is set up a trust for them.
0: The one thing that I spend my money on, I know you said you're already frugal, but uh, I'm curious to hear if you have an answer for this. The one thing that I spend money on, it doesn't have to be a lot of money, but it does make your life easier or better. What is it?
1: Oh, God, if it would be better, I wouldn't smoke cigars. It would be cigars.
0: So that's sort of the, the, the better enrichment Purchase. there
1: you go that calms me down i mean i i work out a lot and i smoke cigars on occasion so it's you, all it's all about my physical fitness i work out like a dog
0: and now you've made going to cuba a lot easier so you think of making a trip anytime soon
1: i would love to go to cuba from what i understand it's going back to getting off the plane and being in 1960 i would love to go to cuba that would that would be my ultimate dream trip
0: well, when you win the lottery, the $100 million. <laughs> well,
1: the government has to let you go. So as long as they let me go, I'm doing it.
0: All right. Gets you on that list. Now, this you may have already answered via the cigars, but what's a guilty pleasure that you spend a lot of money on, maybe more than you're willing to admit?
1: Workout equipment. Mm-hmm. I spend more money on workout equipment than I'd like to, but I only want the best equipment to keep me in tip-top shape.
0: What's the most recent purchase you've made?
1: I bought a new spinning bike that runs with a magnet versus the pads, so that's what I've done.
0: Nice. Are you? Do you also have one of those standing desks, or do you sit during the day? You're probably walking around the store most of the day. I'm walking
1: around all day. I very rarely sit, only to do interviews with people like you. Aww.
0: Thank
1: you for getting me up off my feet. But normally, <laughs> I'm standing all day long.
0: You mentioned earlier that you... You had encounters with making money and getting that high off of, uh, of selling when you were very young. But what is one thing you wish you had known about money growing up that you didn't necessarily learn?
1: How important it was to have a financial uh, executive helping you make some decisions. You know, one thing I've never done is had in a, a financial advisor till recently, and I wish I would have done that sooner. I think that that's very important uh, for people to have. I never thought about it until recently. Now I've thought about it, and I think I made a mistake by not doing it sooner.
0: And when I donate money, I like to give to blank because?
1: I like to give to local charities because it supports the, it helps the people that support me. So that's what I do. As a matter of fact, we're doing an event for THAW, the heat and warm fund. We close the doors at American Jewelry and Loan. We open the doors to people that have donated to THAW. And that's what I like doing, helping people that are in need in Michigan.
0: And finally, Les, I'm so money because?
1: I'm so money because I work so hard at it, and unless you work hard at it, you're never going to have it.
0: Here, here! Absolutely, Les. Always a pleasure to speak with you. I'm Thank you
1: so much for having me on.
0: Well, Before we go, tell me about the new season of Hardcore Pond. It's season nine. How is it different this year? I mean, every year, every season goes through kind of a new phase, a new evolution. What can we expect this season?
1: Like I told you earlier, the loans have gone down. So our loan balance is diminishing. What you're going to see this particular season is some of the biggest deals. I have ever made and actually the biggest loan I have I ever made is going to be shown on season nine it's almost six figures so you know you have to go with the times being a pawnbroker and now in 2015 we have to go with the times you're going to see it on Hardcore Pawn 930 on Wednesday nights True TV don't miss it
0: all right DVR folks if you're going to miss it DVR thanks so much What did I tell you, everyone? Isn't he awesome? Isn't Les fascinating? If you'd like to learn more about Les, check out his website ponddetroit.com and. The show Hardcore Pawn airs at 9.30 on Wednesday nights on True TV. We've got all the links to where you can find less at SoMoneyPodcast.com along with the transcript from this interview. And remember, every weekend I answer your questions. In order to get me your question, hop on to SoMoneyPodcast.com, click on Ask news and ask away. And if you've already asked me a question... You can ask me another question. I don't limit questions on the show. Uh, I love hearing from every single one of you, even if it's more than once. Thanks again for tuning in to So Money. I'll see you tomorrow. In the meantime, you know it. Hope your day is so money.